We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings, and welcome back to another exciting installment of the fifth column podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, occasionally ourselves, often very frequently ourselves. I'm Camille Foster. I'm delighted to be here with you. I am joined by Michael Moynihan, Matt Welch. We are we're the, the people who do the fifth column mm-hmm. podcast. That's the thing. <laughs> that's that's us. That's it. That was there, a great there, intro. It's us. Real Very barn burner that was. <laughs> well, you know, I'm having a tough week. Um and we'll get into that in a moment. Um but we also have a guest. So I should introduce our guest, Catherine Mangu Ward, who apparently works for some publication called Reason Magazine, which Never heard of it. is apparently very dangerous. And very dangerous. we'll be talking about how dangerous it is because it is a fount of misinformation and propaganda and all kinds of other mm-hmm. lies. So wonderful to have you here with Said us, the Catherine Mangu Ward. To the kettle. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we, we're friends of birds of a feather. I really don't know what's going yeah. on. It's really loud. Uh, God, can the someone else take over here? What is I going can take on? over. <laughs> can I? Can I? Um, can I talk about one thing that I need to talk about before we start? Oh know. boy, it's a serious okay. thing. I believe. I speaking of misinformation, um, there are people out there who tell me um, who live their life on Twitter. I'm not sure where they actually live physically. Yeah. But tell me all the time that um, the problems in New York City are in your imagination. Yeah. And I don't know if you can hear the siren yeah. going behind me. Did you pay like extra a for those? shooting around the corner, which happens a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I had to turn off my uh, alerts on uh, Citizen because it's too depressing. <laughs> because there's so much crime. There's so much crime. There's a lot of crime. So um, today, uh, I, I met up with uh, Mr. Matt Welch earlier today, and uh, I took the subway in. And I texted Matt when I got off the subway that like this, I don't even know. I don't remember what I said, but it's like, it's the hellscape thriller video that, you know, I just can't (laughs) deal with anymore. And, um, and then Matt says he has the same thing on the way in. No, because I got into one car and it was, there was just a hobo in there who smelled horrible and everyone's like trying to get out into the next car. But it was that, it was the stop that goes under uh, the East river to to Manhattan. So it was a long one. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, and I finally get out. And then I'm getting out of it right then. But I tried to move into the other car. And I moved to the other car, the previous stop, and there were like seven more hobos. It was like everywhere you went, they were like doubling. I was like, oh, what the fuck is happening? And so I had to go up to B&H, everyone's favorite Hasidic electronic store. Yeah. Uh, from the east, furthest east side of Canal Street. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk. I got to walk. It's too much. Then I get a text from our friend Nancy who uh, sends a video of, she just got on the subway and there's just a guy smoking. <laughs> she's, like, in a car, she's in a car, huffing on cigarettes, Wait, was smoking. Wait, was it, it was cigarettes, not crack? Who knows? Pres- who knows? Okay. It's just, so he's smoking. And cigarettes I'm like, laced with PCP, perhaps. Probably. Yeah. And I'm going to walk. I said, fuck it, I'm going to walk to B&H. Yeah. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's on 33rd or something. Yeah, it was a nice day. It was a nice day. So I yeah. walked up, got the stuff that I needed, and forgot that I had to get back on the subway to get back to Brooklyn. Got back on the subway, and it just there is a guy right next to me, screaming about everything. And then he gets off, and I'm like, oh, thank God. And then two guys get on immediately after. Immediately after, a guy gets on and and gives a speech 
about how you need to give him money because he's trying to stay out of trouble. Wow. It's just the worst pitch <laughs> is that a threat? in the world. Is that a threat? He's like, he's like, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. Like, wait, so if I don't give you money, you're going to go murder a motherfucker? What are you like? What? Or, or you. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But it wasn't, it was to nobody in particular. It was to the whole car. He said, I'm just trying to stay out of trouble. So do you have any money to help me stay out of trouble? It's like, how about you just don't get in trouble? It's like, it doesn't cost anything, dude. And then he gets off. And then when I realized that I have to leave this fucking city was when the guy who got on, who was so hammered, so hammered. And he's like, I'm going to sing a my girl. And then he slurs his way through an entire rendition of my girl. And he's like, oh, God, the sun's on the shining. And I'm like, what? That's not the lyrics, dude. I was like, do I help him out? But then he'll talk to me. It was like, it was just like one of these days where every time you got, you got into a new subway car, it was just some hobo disaster. Well, so it's real, people. Well, oh, this is, this is final good. thing. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, before I got on the subway. Sure, why not? The, sorry, I'm just at a full <laughs> yeah. froth yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, please. Uh, CVS on 34th and 8th, I go inside there's a guy, I'm going to get a water to get on the subway. There's a guy next to me comes in, obviously off of a day of work, and he's trying to get like a six pack of beer. And he's like, this motherfucker's locked. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, it's locked. So I went to get toothpaste too. It was all locked. locked. Yeah. And, and but everything. The, I'm wondering how much that money they're losing because that dude and me were like, we're not, no, I'm not waiting paying. for somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'm not buying it. Yeah. They just lost two sales in the span of like 30 I've seconds. Totally, I've totally walked out of um, convenience stores and stuff because stuff is all locked down. I, I will say that I was in man. Shenandoah Valley. Um, I was picking up my, my daughter from her grandmother's house. Yeah. And I went into a, a local CVS there and I was actually shocked to discover that nothing is locked. Like there are no cases. Yeah, it's like a normal place anywhere. <laughs> like on the lotion, the deodorant, like the body wash. I love like, that you're the like the lotion's not locked. But this yeah, is what you, paradise is this. But this is the stuff that is locked in like a regular drugstore. Any so place else? Locking. Actually, not any place else. In any major city in America now, yeah. like those products, basic cleaning products, are the things that are locked down. Which interestingly, I mean, are not the things that I would expect people to be stealing. But apparently, yeah. that is the number one thing to steal. Well, there were three cops, and when you came in, and yeah. one, they had a dog too. Huh. Um, and I think they threw somebody out while I was in there too. Huh. But it's usually just it's like when you're at that CVS, yeah, it's just like Belgian tourists, huh. like trying okay. to figure out, like you know, <laughs> like literally yeah. trying to try to do the self checkout. Well, maybe like, we I should, don't understand. Maybe we either. should just keep this episode of old guys from New York complaining about being in I New mean, York. Um, yeah. Going since Catherine, Catherine Mangoworth's connection just dropped <laughs> and she is no longer here. I love the fact that she's the editor in chief <laughs> yeah. of Reason Magazine and she has like, you know, net zero <laughs> dialogue, <laughs> that dialogue connection. I just, y'all didn't seem to yeah. need me, so I just left. I get it. Kevin, well, you know why we didn't need you? Because you can't share stories because you don't interact with normal, real people. You live amongst the haute bourgeoisie <laughs> in what? Where do you live now? Chevy Chase? I know. Literally downtown in Washington, D.C. <laughs> you got stabbed yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> I've been robbed no, the greatest, the greatest urban violence that I've experienced lately has been at my own hands when I threw myself off of an e-scooter, uh, you know, like on a pothole. So that's, oh, you know, that's you were like, I'm going to throw myself. Is, is this your e-scooter or a rental? Oh, God. Is this I, like a I, bird I, scooter? I don't know. Yes, I was riding on one of those rental e-scooters. I hit a pothole. Okay. I went over. I spectacularly broke my kneecap and like. Oh my god! Is that true? Fully crippled wow. for months. Tell so, them. Yeah. Tell no, them what you were doing. 
No, Matt. We would have sent something. What were you doing? I was listening to Justin Amash's podcast. And now I'm honestly upset it was just the kneecap. (laughs) (laughs) Could it not have been a skull fracture? I'm so sorry this is happening to you. I am too. But that is that. I mean, it was urban violence in the sense that it was a pothole and a knee scooter and Justin Amash. So. Yes, in Justin Amash's words are violence. Too, so. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's Since the last time, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, last time you were on yeah. this podcast, no, Catherine, and by the way, not only is Catherine my boss, but um, she named this podcast. We'll remind everyone. She did. It's true. She did. We that's always true. remind people. Right. Uh, she we came up with the name. Remind people of that. Yeah, uh, yeah. but. You ask for money, we're going to tell you to go fuck yourself. So just just understand <laughs> yes. that there's a limit. We talk yeah. about it, but we don't no, talk about it. Not really uh, much at all. But uh, <laughs> are you surprised or like completely uh, uh, within expectations that in the years since we've last had you that this would just be old men uh, shouting about uh, the subway system in New York? <laughs> I think that it was old That's men chatting about the subway system in New York before... <laughs> <laughs> the urban decay yeah, I was, I was a little memes less old, took though. hold, though. Like it was, yeah. you yeah. guys have yeah. the crotchety old man really like within you, and you always, you always did. I mean, but mm. I, I used to have like the youthful exuberance going. It's really only in the last six or seven months that I've felt like fully old man. I mean, you know, we have I think to have that is a dirty lie. The man. last, <laughs> the last time I was on, you were like, <laughs> yeah. let's talk about. Let's talk about when the go-go music was good. Like you were like the oldest <laughs> old head in the world the last time I was on. I don't know what you're talking about. Chuck Brown, Chuck Brown and the Soul Searchers. I take Trump, videos of Camille EU. from this podcast and I just dub John Witherspoon over them. You know, middle man, this is crazy. It's too much. Too much. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. I mean, I am actually not on the, like, our cities have fallen into rot and civilization with it. And, like, therefore, it's time for fascism train, which, like, you guys, maybe you're not on that train, but you're, like, cheering when it goes by. I don't know. (laughs) I worry. Yeah, I've never cheered. Fascism train, by the way, is usually a Holocaust train, just for the record. I know. That's why. (laughs) Unless you're making them run on time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'd say I said, like, an Italian one. I don't know. But, um. You know, I I think like I'm sorry the hobos bothered you on your train, but also New York is still a pretty great city, right? They probably right? stabbed somebody that wasn't me. I mean, no, it, it's no. The only worse. loss is it's, that it it's wasn't like, you. I mean, you can't deny it. Yeah, I don't deny I mean, that it's worse. I mean, it was it's my just loss like, too. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 marginally it's marginally grosser. Mm. It's a bit more inconvenient. And there is definitely, actually, legitimately more crime, especially in the neighborhoods that already had a fair amount of crime. Like, you know whose tears are delicious, play. though? The people who said Giuliani ruined New York, like, they're, uh-huh. they're like, it was better when it was gritty. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's gritty <laughs> now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, those people, yeah, they were I'm happy stupid. for them to be sad about the hobos. Yeah. I was yeah. never nostalgic for being mugged. <laughs> it's really annoying. I've been mugged. It's not authentic enough. But I, I will say, you know who has become, become full old man? I'll never go this far. Camille, who? your friend. Yeah. Thomas yeah, Jackson Williams. <laughs> he's going to tweet all the time. He's like, he's like, well, marijuana smoke. 
It's our smell. And I'm like, this yeah. is true. He's a uh, narc. Like, yeah, these are the yeah. same. Thomas is a these narc. These are the same people who are out here like spelling return with a fucking Roman numeral V in it and like longing for the 50s. And it's like, what do you think the street smelled like in the 50s? Like it was a hundred percent cigarette smoke. No one could even no, use like their noses Parrot, were freedom broken. Freedom and paradise. <laughs> yeah. And like sm- I'm team cigarette. It smelled like Italians. <laughs> I'm, t- it I'm like team cigarette, but like ethnics. the idea that like civilization is decaying and you can tell because like combustibles are like you can smell them in the streets yeah, that's, is so I'm not weird on board to me. With that. Yeah, it, the no, reason it's happening now is it's kind of legal now, and it wasn't then. It's yeah. legal. Um, like, so, yeah, what do they want? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy with it. I'm perfectly fine smelling. I mean, weird. it could be it could be more legal. It's harder to get the products that I actually need because <laughs> so I have to wait until I can go to San Francisco to do that. But at any rate, we'll we'll take that up at another time. There's we one sh- dispensary in New York, so yeah, it's kind of a shit show. But it, yeah. I mean, they're just getting started. It'll take them. 15 years to get everything sorted out. It's like the second Avenue subway of drugs. <laughs> <laughs> it takes like 25 years to get, to get a, to pack a bowl in New York. Unbelievable. In DC, well, we call I, that the, the silver really... line to Dulles. It's the same, same vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's right. Oh my God. That's right. The silver line to Dullus. <laughs> it well, sounds like a Any threat. minute. Well, yeah. Put you, <laughs> put you on the silver line, line to Dulles. Don't make me do it. <laughs> well, Mango Ward, we, we wanted you here today to answer for your crimes. Because Defend yourself. There, there is apparently this has been an, a, an auspicious week. The Global Disinformation Index uh, has named Reason one of the publications to to watch. A uh, publication on the rise, um, a publication of note. Um, because what exactly? What happened? Who are these people? What is the situation? Why don't you explain? So we are, uh, according to the Global Global Disinformation Index. Uh, one of the 10 riskiest online news outlets. So thank you for that. Like, is that um, 10 in, in the world? 10 in America? Like, what does this the, mean? Exactly? The listed outlets global. are all American. Um, but the actually, okay. so the, the outfit that put this out, um, it's a British organization, but it receives funding from the State Department. And that, like, People can oh, make their list official. of crappy publications as much as they want, right? Like the Southern Poverty Law Center has probably put us on every single list they've ever written. And like, that's fine with me. <laughs> but um, I do not love my taxpayer dollars going to this just like what seems to be, frankly, really, really sloppy list. Like if they hated us because we were doing something you know, if it was like for a substantive reason, I might be like, all right, let's fight about it. But as best I can tell, mm-hmm. they like searched our site, didn't find a page with an immediately clearly published corrections policy. And we're like, yeah, it's basically yeah. the same as just like a pile of garbage like that. I mean, that seems to have been their methodology. <laughs> Wait, Never mind that the, actually. A lack of a co- corrections yes. policy? Is that, can't, that can't There's, be right. Yes. So there are actually there are several criteria. They are not clearly explicated. They are also not the, the sort of full analysis is not available so that this it's kind of opaque, which makes it hard to combat. Yeah. But um, so, it's always a good sign. <laughs> we, yeah, it's a good sign. Um, but yes, there's like a few things listed. And one of them is like uh, uh, authorial attribution, which everything we publish has an author's name on it. We credit our sources. Yep. We link. Um, they dinged us for a lack like, of authorial a, attribution, as if we were the economists like and nice. were 
Just we not. got bylines on stuff. I don't know what to tell you, my dudes. Um, what does that even have to do with disinformation? <laughs> is the economist disinformation because there's no right. bylines? So this is the other thing about well, this. Well, it's, it's They've just sort yeah. of made this leap from we listed a few policies and procedures that we think are best practice. And then we checked in a kind of casual way to see if these publications adhere to those policies and practices. They are not actually ruling in any way on the truth value of anything that we've published, which makes this all the more infuriating. Um, I, I mean, don't that's think it's bizarre because the categories are least risky sites and riskiest <laughs> sites. <laughs> riskiest <laughs> two categories. And the yeah. least riskiest sites include BuzzFeed News and HuffPost. Wait, which is like, I'm sorry. Okay. What now? Yeah. Yep. And then but, the riskiest yep. sites are Reason, Real Clear Politics. Daily Wire, The Blaze, One American News Network, or The Federalist. I mean, some of these actually maybe are right. Um, New York Post. I don't know how Reason actually New York gets on the, on the bad, naughty list I don't know there. either. Like, you would um, also think that they would you know, try in some way, at the very least, to put a little bit of ideological balance into it and say that there's no. some people, <laughs> like, you know, these very popular things that popularized a bunch of bullshit uh, stories about Trump – in the first, um, in during his administration, in the first couple of years, especially about the Russia stuff, you know, the Palmer Report, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, they're not traditional news organizations, um, but yeah, I find it very odd that it's that it's that it's not about things that have been published. Like, why go after? They these? had uh, so they had like um, actually on the site they say that uh, even though it's a global uh, disinformation index right disinformation we understand what that is supposed to mean colloquially which is that someone intentionally said something to try to spread an untrue fact to fit knowing knowing it's not true true. and then in the bowels of the site they're like well actually we don't really define disinformation this way it ends up becoming like the old obscenity test we 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 know it when we see it um and so uh they uh said that we have uh uh emotional uh oftentimes emotional language and sensationalized language and that we have um uh there's a bias in construction i think that was the language i've of course there's a bias it's a fucking opinion (laughs) magazine what is wrong with these people are they that uh, it also sounds like a bad uh, therapist Using too much emotional language. They praised us for largely refraining from perpetuating in-group, out-group narratives. So thanks for that, guys. But you're still the riskiest website. We're still somehow one of the 10 riskiest of all all publications. What is the – imagine the risk. Like, uh uh-oh. I'm, I don't know. uh Uh-oh. I'm going to read it. I need to put on like some saran wrap over my head or fingers or, or something. That actually sounds kind of risky. <laughs> that does sound very risky. Yeah. But if they're talking about attribution and a corrections page, are they doing um, basic journalism themselves and contacting you? No. So we reached That's out to them practice. immediately. <laughs> we reached out to them immediately after the rankings came out um, because there are other rankings. There are competing rankings, including um, NewsGuard, which was founded by uh, Wall Street Journal and um, Brill's alumni. Yeah. And... Um, we have a hundred out of a hundred rating from them. And we worked with them on that, right? They reached out to us. They said, Hey, we're interested in how your practices work. We told them like anyone who wonders about our corrections policy could go to our site and see that we are noting corrections Mm -hmm. in a much more rigorous way than say the Washington post, which is constantly getting caught doing stealth edits, Mm -hmm. which we do not do. Um, So, you know, 
something that is using ostensibly the same criteria for the same purpose, but doing it rigorously, they come up with reason is like 100 out of 100. And meanwhile, these guys just coincidentally came up with a list of a bunch of non-lefty publications that are imperiling the republic or whatever. There is no conversation about misinformation and disinformation, very limited conversation prior to Donald Trump. Um, Then it became a thing. And now Trump is no longer in the White House. And these people have made kind of a career on this. They're, they're like, I heard somebody, I think it was, it was either on NPR or BBC, I think it was BBC. And they introduced the woman as their disinformation reporter, um, which, you know, is a, is a very hard thing to define because dis versus miss, I mean, is, you know, it's not true. And you're trying to spread. I mean, that is what you would expect from the, the, the Kremlin, for instance, Disinformation, we're trying to, you know, create false narratives surrounding our invasion of Ukraine or something. But disinformation is a pretty harsh term, not misinformation. They were misinforming these people, but we believe it to be true. What is it at this point? What is the whole industry, particularly as you're on the other end of it and people are saying, oh, you are a peddler of disinformation? I mean, post-Trump, it seems like this is whatever anybody wants it to be and just a way to attack your opponents. So uh, the beloved uh, Jacob Sullum of Reason fame, um, he wrote a piece about this where he comes pretty close to just saying the concept of disinformation has now fully lost its meaning. And I think you're right that there is this ancient meaning of like, you know, wartime disinformation, right? Like a kind of campaign of disinformation. But um, at this point, the distinction between inconvenient facts opinions I don't like, as yet unverified claims and actual disinformation. Like, I don't I don't see that anyone has developed sound tools to determine between those things. And we've already built massive systems that are contingent on believing we can tell, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all of Facebook operates this way. Apparently, the State Department is funding this stuff. Like, it, that, to me, is the real problem, is we built all the systems, assuming we could do this kind of underlying math of what is and isn't disinformation, mm-hmm. and we just and this can't. Is, it's very bold of them to do that as a British outfit, because you could bring them into court for libel in about That's two true. That's tr- we don't like these libel laws, but you could sue them for libel, and you would win almost immediately, because it's the, the it's very difficult. J.K. Rowling has been uh, suing people right and left uh, this week just on that uh, bit. The or threatening uh, them, the yeah. uh it's worth reminding everyone that in July of 2021 that's when the surgeon general Vivek Murthy uh, came out and said we need a whole of government crackdown on covid related disinformation and as Jacob Solom wrote even at that time um his definitions of what uh, accounted for how you define disinformation was slippery as all get out um, and that was the mm-hmm. same week that Biden, uh, President uh, Joe, Joe Biden, um, uh, said that uh, Facebook and social media companies are killing people, which is uh, pretty mm-hmm. uh, normal. And then uh, and then that's also when from the White House press corps, they were like talking, trying to get Joe Rogan episodes off of Spotify and saying, you know, Spotify is not going as far as, as we'd like. I mean, there's a huge concerted government effort in the federal government in July 21 to talk about and, and to be actionable about disinformation that now that we've seen in both the Twitter files and uh, Robbie Suave's uh, Facebook files, 
also a reason which we talked about a week or two ago. Um, uh, mm-hmm. Very damaging. This is like this is censorship by proxy that is happening right now. And we're at the point where like the State Department is just spending money on things that are a British outfit trying to convince people not to advertise in the Washington Examiner. What what are we even doing? It's it's crazy. It is crazy. But I mean, the, the, everybody has this desire. This is a bipartisan thing. I mean, conservatives, it's it, now you can actually reframe this, right? And the way you can get away with it is we're saving lives. Joe Biden says people are dying. And that's why if you COVID information, misinformation is killing people and you can't say it. I mean, they're trying very desperately to shut people up uh, by justifying it. So, you know, it's saying it's like saying words are violence. We're going to prevent violence. It's we're going to prevent people from dying. I mean, conservatives did this in the past when it came to, you know, military stuff, when it came to like, you know, sedition stuff. I mean, our troops are in danger because of things that you're saying. It always goes back to this idea that if we don't squelch uh, speech, people will die. Because otherwise, saying that we want to prevent this because we disagree with it, it's an indefensible position. It becomes more defensible when you are spreading, quote unquote, misinformation. And the byproduct of that is a pile of dead bodies. And that's one would imagine that'd be a pretty high bar and you'd have to really justify that. But nobody does. It's well, it's kind of shocking. The the thing that comes to mind, though, is that we, we are aware of the fact that there is a great deal of nonsense being proliferated on the Internet. And that is both in some cases finding its way into publications. We've certainly seen that. But in general is being circulated by readers of the news uh by by the public very generally like uh the ohio train derailment um i've seen so much nonsense posted online about what is happening there definite facts and assertions about how many people are dying or are likely to die and how quickly it's spreading um and i've also seen a lot of kind of speculation um, asserted as fact about another story, which I think is of urgent importance and we should talk about. And Catherine Mangaward, I really <laughs> want to talk about what is happening <laughs> with these Sidewinder missiles and I, the shoot down of these UFOs. Has and anyone ever quit during a podcast? <laughs> these are vital <laughs> things that need to be talked about. It's obvious there's a cover up <laughs> and that there are facts. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the most labored transition. <laughs> I, I had it. to get, I had to get it in the file. I had yeah. to find it. Wow. <laughs> we, do, we do a lot of this ourselves. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah, it's Could hard. you imagine yeah. you're you're baking the cake, you're doing the thing to, to yeah. decorate it, and you're eating it at the same time. <laughs> the same time. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fucking hard. hard. Yeah. Um, Saying you you're having your cake and eating it too exactly. is like, <laughs> exactly yeah. and making it. Yeah. 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 And buying all the ingredients. It's just hard. But anyways. Catherine, I don't want you, don't you to, to I, I don't want you to I don't want you to filibuster here. We have to talk about this. What do you know about what is going on here? Like seriously, d- during the Super Bowl, they're having these briefings and talking about four shootdowns over the space of like 2 days, 3 days, 5 minutes, I don't know. <laughs> More misinformation from the Fifth Gala podcast. Mm-hmm. What is happening? Captain Mango Ward? I Are we alone? don't even know what is happening on this podcast. 
much less what yeah. is happening in U.S. airspace. I cannot begin to rule on that question. This is how you make a successful yeah. podcast. I you just I randomly heard you start guys, talking about fucking. Aliens. I heard you guys are like the most profitable, riskiest Substack in history, those or are, something. Those are and yet here you are. Wild misinformation. Yeah, those are lies. Yeah. Uh, those are lies. Somebody should get the State Department on that. Yeah. Um, but. Now, I have no opinions about these like balloon boys <laughs> how, stories. How I don't is it possible know. that I am with four veteran seasoned journalists who? Really? But that's it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. That's yeah. true. I, I I don't mean yeah. to. Include yeah, no, you're not. I'm not don't. good at math either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I you're trying to count yourself as one of them. Let's you know what they yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but but how is it possible that you're not all concerned about the U.S. military shooting down four crafts? Balloons? One is a balloon. Just, the other three, we don't know. I mean, the Canadians are supposed to be recovering one of those, so you know oh, we're never yeah, going to see great. that thing again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? They have Mounties like, <laughs> probably in the Yukon looking for out the there. UFOs. <laughs> Two days ago, I mean, they were like, yeah, we're going to get yeah. it. Two days. Oh, I got the we haven't heard from truckers it. up there trying yeah. to get the fucking balloon. <laughs> yeah, Alberta. That's not, that's not I good. Got, uh, I was obviously, I think it's, it goes almost without saying, was a huge X-Files fan yes. as, a, as a 90s teen. And... Um, identified very very strongly with like dana scully at her peak like bitchy rationalist yeah um and in fact was really disappointed in her as as the show evolved and she was like maybe your crazy shit is real <laughs> um so i'm spoken I'm by gonna, someone who didn't watch Dana's, the movie and see that she actually went up in the shit I, mean, I did not watch the movie and i will not watch the movie because i have some self-respect Wait. okay so I she own that was, movie. Okay. She was a skeptic on the show. She started out yeah. as the whole gimmick that was, was that he's the loony believer and she's the skeptic. And she's and Michael Shermer. Like, <laughs> Michael Shermer. She's sexy oh, Michael no. Shermer. Yeah. I thought that she's was sexy, just Michael Shermer, but yeah. okay. Sexy ginger yeah. Michael wow. Shermer. Yeah. yeah. But Fox Mulder um, put that thing on her. And she had to believe. Yeah. <laughs> he made her believe. It was believe. all a dream. It was, all, it was, a, it was a dream sequence. Yeah. We don't know. But... <laughs> The point is, I I don't want to believe, yeah. and I don't need to believe for my daily life to proceed at pace if and when the balloons turn out. I mean, the balloons <laughs> are going to turn out to be something dumb. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the the UFOs are, they, they always turn out to be something dumb. Yeah. And, and that's going to keep happening until Elon Musk finds us a real alien. Yeah. At which point... He'll give it a Tesla. It'll, I'm inclined to agree with your with your perspective. And the thing that makes me the most suspicious is that the Chinese immediately start saying, oh, no, no, we, we see one, too. It's like coming yeah. out of the water yeah. over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, there's a UFO. Yeah. I played mafia. Which, I know yeah. how this works. How badly right? did you want to do that in a Chinese accent? <laughs> I could yeah, see it in your yeah. face. That was pure projection, Moynihan. Like, that was 100%. How badly did you want to do why this? Do you, why do you think that I wouldn't have done that? <laughs> I don't. Oh, I my don't. God. Absolutely true. would. I mean, there is a, if you want to pay for the podcast, you want to go and subscribe, you'll hear the full one where I do I don't the entire thing. I won't. I, I respect people who pay, but I get personally get it for free. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Get the supply for free. Yeah. Camille, yeah. How, so as somebody who's – Usually eating, you know, gummy edibles and like going out into your lawn with a telescope. 
as your yeah. kids are like, you know, throwing their crap against the wall and no one's watching. And saying, Dad, please don't what? cut my hair again. Yeah, go on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a, the first hate crime. Cohen's haircut looks amazing, by Dude, the way. that's it's, honestly it's really good. Cohen, it was a bad I literally, I started a GoFundMe because I thought he had cancer. It's <laughs> like, what the fuck happened there? <laughs> um, but no, so what do you think if, if you want, you want this to be space balloons? Uh, I, I but, don't actually. I, I okay. do not. I do not but want you, this you, to be aliens. If but we shot down that it four alien crafts in in um, yeah, it's a week, USA like, that would be bad. Alien zero. Yeah, okay. that would be really bad. <laughs> no, if, they, if they've figured out faster than light travel and we're shooting them down when they come here, like the mothership is coming and it's over. Like we're. But in what trouble. if they're good at really really good at one thing? Like they can get here and then they're like, what the fuck are <laughs> we doing now that we're here? Like what is that? Like we're about to get shot. Yeah, down it's like War of the Worlds. Yeah, we just kill them with water. How uh, how do they get into the atmosphere and and deploy a balloon? <laughs> I don't understand how this happened. Moynihan, you're you're doing it wrong, Moynihan. Like asking yeah. the like specific technical sure. questions. I think somebody to a person asked you, Catherine. Who set up that segue? Like you don't. Yeah. Are you saying that he doesn't that. want to know yeah. the truth? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I no, think that's probably I, right. I know. I know the truth. I know that it's it's almost certainly not aliens, but it's also like kind of weird that we are. I mean, how much do these Sidewinder missiles cost? I don't. I don't know, but I imagine it's a lot. And I mean, it's still it, pretty cool to blow up a balloon if you're flying that. Thing. I suppose, and I guess you need to the do little, the training uh, at some point. But yeah, geez. they got to practice the little bit of discourse around the last appropriations, uh, the last round of defense appropriations, where somebody like straight facedly said. Yeah, we we like gave all our all of our like munitions to Ukraine, so now we gotta like do, get some extra funding to build a bunch more. Mm. Like this is this is showing up in the next appropriations process. <laughs> They're gonna be like, oh, we used all our yeah. shit on the balloons, mm-hmm. and we gotta fund more. Like it's it's self perpetuating. The They're s- delighted to fire the Sidewinder stuff. missile is four hundred thousand dollars. That's like, less than I thought. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> that seems like a bargain. Yeah. If you had told me, if you had straight facedly just been like, it's 10 million, yeah, I would have been like, okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Me too. I would have been like, yep, that's this right. Is, this is the premise of the movie Contact. You remember like the part where they build, yeah, they build. the whole like spacecraft and then we it blows up two. and then they're like, yeah. lol, we build two. Because <laughs> yeah. did you really think it cost that much? Like, is, like that, a, is that, is that, I've never seen it's, it. It's Contact, yeah. Is that the one with Wilfred self- Brimley? It's, it's got Jodie Foster floating around Was that around Matthew in McConaughey? I like. There's a maybe yeah. no that's Interstellar maybe he's in the other. Oh, the I only one is yeah, Cocoon. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> who's in contact? Uh, Cocoon like, was pretty yeah, good. No, though. The opening, the it's opening like premise of, of that Cocoon. movie is like incredibly libertarian because it's literally just like yeah, the federal government is building two of everything. Dude, Did you yeah. really think it cost that much? But yeah, it's Matthew not McConaughey was would be like contact. efficient yeah. in some way to like have a backup. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good. That's actually a good point. <laughs> But yeah, the oh Cocoon is a movie. That's the one about the old people going into space with yeah. uh, Wilfred Brimley. And you saw that guy, the either Japanese or Japanese-American academic, who was like, everyone in Japan should commit yeah. suicide. Did yeah, you yeah. see this? Yeah. Yeah. That was just like click, like op-ed click. Well, no, I, I think I, he's serious. And I think someone found okay, him made like it quickly. like one dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm just saying like, maybe he's not wrong. <laughs> no, and then who is the guy... Who is that guy, that horrible guy on Twitter that just came Two out dudes, of nowhere? Turns out. Richard Hananana, Shanana, what's that guy uh, called? He's, yeah, he's been going through some, some changes on uh, on Twitter and it's us. I think he was always like that. But, but he was like, yeah, I mean, we should kill them all. <laughs> did, he, did he? 
Oh, Richard. Yeah. He had a he had a had a sizzling hot take on what to do with the olds. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. I mean, I think there's really so much gray area between kill them all and just like <laughs> gently suggest that they should retire from the presidency. Like there's just like a huge, <laughs> there's a lot of wiggle room yeah. in there. You maybe shouldn't run for a second term. Uh, That's a yeah. fair yeah. point. Uh, yeah. Martin Amos once got in trouble for suggesting that there should be euthanasia booths in England. Oh. Um, I mean, I think Convenient. he was joking, but it was like. Front page story in the British press for a couple. Uh, of days. Nikki Haley just today, part of uh, uh, un- unleashing President Nikki Haley? Nikki Mentum on <laughs> the rest of us. Uh, you say Mickey Mantle? What did you Nick, say? Nikki Mentum. Nikki Mentum. What is that? Did you just that make sounds that like somebody's name? Nikki Mentum. That's pretty good name. Yeah. Uh, no, you put Mentum as a suffix. It's a Dave Weigel trick. Feel the yeah. Joe, like feel the Joe Mentum. Feel the Hogan Mentum. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Keep up. Gross. No one has ever felt Hogan. Hogan. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> the bulwark has been feeling or trying to feel Hulk, then, yeah. Hulkamania Hogan for so very long. It's yeah. just oh awful. That and the, the scan but center. is Lamar Alexander dead? <laughs> 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 they couldn't get the checkered shirt out of the uh, She. What did she say today, Catherine? Like uh, that people over 75 should have to pass a uh, old person like... Competency, competency like a mental competency Women test. Train, but then plane, spaceman. That the, game. It was immediately pointed out in our office discussion that I suppose I shouldn't disclose on this a rival product <laughs> that uh, <laughs> features somebody from your office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still. I mean, I think we can do double that. We drive a lot of recent subscriptions. Fifth, I'm sure a of fifth it. Column, yeah, a fifth columnist. Yeah, the Robert Ames of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was immediately noted that, of course, Donald Trump, uh, when he was uh, examined by his personal physician, got the best score anyone's ever gotten <laughs> yeah. on the mental competency it's test. Very North and Korean. Do you remember yeah. that doctor who so, looked like Bruce oh Yeah, He had yes. like, he was amazing. I, I think he's dead. Didn't he die? <laughs> the biggest surprise of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was like, he looked really unhealthy. Yeah. He looked really and unhealthy. he was the guy who's like, best, best health anyone's Donald ever Donald Trump, the healthiest man in America. Which, yeah. What yeah. was the doctor's name? Do you have his name? I don't remember. I don't know if I need a referral, but <laughs> it's good. You need someone to tell you you're in the best shape of your life, you know? Even oh, if it's God. Okay, I gotta look up if he's dead, but continue. Uh, <laughs> well well, Mangu, I don't I don't know if we want to hold you hostage any longer because we've too we've late been for that, my guys. <laughs> and and I we, we may turn to some some more tumultuous fare. And I, I want to spare you any potential embarrassment, further embarrassment. Can I can I interrupt, Again, give her time to think about this, late. and say that Dr. Harold Bornstein oh. <laughs> did in fact pass away in January of 2001. COVID? Rest in peace. Yeah. Oh, man. The, the co- no, I think, no, it, it doesn't say. But I'm sure it was something hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't COVID. So no, it wasn't. I don't, it didn't say it was that. COVID. Which, the headline was Trump's eccentric doctor passes away. <laughs> Poor bastard. God, what that's if he'd a, survived and been, lived obituary. into the COVID era? That would have been interesting. Unlike ones written by Michael Moynihan and his beloved mentor, Christopher Hitchens. Oh, you so, mean the ones that are really mean? <laughs> the ones that are really mean. That's what I meant. Yeah. Only if they really deserved it. If they pissed on people. That's why I didn't mind the the mean Hitchens obits because he did the same thing and he would have probably appreciated it. But I, I never just like nice people. Always like really bad people who committed really bad crimes, you know. Uh, uh, well, like I'm going to leave you guys 
to discuss these horrible crimes. Uh, I do want to say, speaking of death, though, RIP to uh, Raquel Welch. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my God. Uh, 1980 Libertarian Party voter. Is that true? Oh, man. According to sources Aunt who Raquel. would know. Just coming Wasn't through. there a Coke on the ballot, a vice presidential? In Asia, yeah, that's right? the uh, Ed, Ed Clark, uh, uh, yeah. David Coke. That, but that was also the, what was the other guy? Anderson? John Anderson, right? John, John Anderson, Anderson. Yeah. It was a weird year. 1980 yeah. it was a weird, a weird year. But wow. Rock. Um, anyway, I'm leaving you with that. I, I actually feel like I brought you a good Matt Welsh caliber, caliber cultural tidbit. There, that's so yeah, that's that very good. Nice. Go that's pretty good. A, that's pretty I good. I know. I'm going to fact check it, considering me the queen of misinformation. <laughs> yes. I mean, the State Department yeah. says you should. Exactly. So. I just got a text from them. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you at all. Um, this is a good podcast. Thank you for Thank you for on naming it. it. Thank you, Catherine. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. Well, that was fun. Um, <laughs> just, well, that was fun. <laughs> is that not believable? Uh, not really, no. Was, you know, yeah, girls. That was fun. Girls. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, I love Mangu Ward. I do too. She's, um, great. she's so much better than that other guy who used to do that God, job. Yeah. What was his I name forget. again? Nick Matt Welch. <laughs> Matt Welch and Nick Gillespie. Bob Poole? <laughs> no one's better than Bob. I will not take criticism. Bob yeah, 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 yeah. He's great. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about. Um, I mean, we could talk about a number of things. We could we talk, about the, talk about the New York Times thing. We should that, talk about that the New York was, Times. That was thing. the shittiest letter since at least the last shittiest letter, I think. So today, yeah, today we discovered that uh, 200 odd New York Times journalists and writers uh, published an open letter. Um, and this open letter uh, was uh, detailing their outrage and their disappointment at the publication. Uh, that they work for the New York Times for how do we describe this in their work publishing material yeah serious concerns yeah, about editorial material. bias um, treating gender diversity with an eerily familiar mix of pseudoscience and euphemistic charged language uh, vilifying transness as a disease they're they're, they're accusing their own paper of this um, and the uh, the kicker is that uh uh, so there's hardworking professionals at the New York Times who are enduring a workplace made hostile by bias against trans people, according to this, uh, among other things. Uh, that and that uh, that's a word salad of au courant ideas. Although the, that that phrase is vilifying transness as a disease to be feared, to be feared yeah. which at a, at a minimum, I mean, transness even from their perspective, is a condition that requires extensive medical treatment, um, potentially invasive surgery and uh, a battery of drugs, which from their perspective have been thoroughly tested and used for years in both cis and trans people and are thus safe and completely uncontroversial. And therefore, any nuanced publication of stories about the fact that there appear to be more children who are going and getting these uh, therapies and that there is a lot of national conversation and discussion about the efficacy of this treatment, about whether or not uh, it, it makes sense for younger and younger people to have, say, like double mastectomies um, at the age of 13 or 14 or 16. Like conversation about that in the paper 
is uh, apparently taking cues from hateful, radical right-wing ex- extremists. Um, and because of that, they uh, wrote this letter and they they want this to stop. The, the letter itself um, is pretty strident in that regard. Uh, it doesn't seem to suggest that there is any kind of sensible discussion that ought to be happening about these issues. Um, it doesn't seem to, to, to endorse the possibility that there is a kind of responsible, moderate position on these issues. From their standpoint, they want to see um, reform. They want uh, an answer. They demanded an answer from the people that they work for, and they want to see more trans people getting hired by the New York Times, um, because the only thing that would be acceptable to them, apparently, is to read people writing things that they agree with vehemently, um, which strikes me as pretty pretty strange for a newspaper. Well, what they're saying there is that um, that the New York Times has treated trans people or trans issues as a mental health problem, which they don't back up by citing anything that the New York Times has said. Right. Um, and reporting on these things, that there are people who do say that, um, is not creating a hostile work environment or doing X, Y, and Z. I mean, it's so deranged to even think so. And if you do think that, I think you chose the wrong profession um, because you know journalism is going to deal with uncomfortable opinions and people that you disagree with. Um, I, I also think that there's a, the way of doing this debate seems to be one of intimidation and bullying. Um, you see the response to, to people defending the New York times, which is not a right wing newspaper. Right. Um, they're just being, you know, rolled over and called the worst names in the world. I mean, JK Rowling, you know, having to, Say, well, I'm going to talk to my solicitor about you calling me a Nazi, this person who's, I think, a, a well-known uh, activist, and this happens to her all the time. And, and you know, it's not even an opinion about what J- – uh, What I, I don't get into that because I, I don't have a dog in the fight and I haven't gotten deep into it. It's not the point I think I probably should just because there's so much conversation about it. But the idea that this is um, – if you don't have a kind of single view on this issue, you're doing harm. You're doing harm in the world. You always have to, to, to smuggle through this idea of harm. And I'm going to give you an example of how deranged this is. I'm, and it's not about, you know, their opinions on it's, – it's um, this is about journalism. And they asked the woman – some interviewer asked the woman who started this thing, um, you know, why she thought it was flawed. New York Times uh, was flawed. This is her answer, which I think is really telling – and nobody seems to have picked up on this. And this is the thing that you have to pick up on. This is number one, what you have to pick up on. She said, I think that the Times has used the deniability of, quote, we're just reporting the news to kind of protect itself from itself, which is a sentence that makes yeah. no sense. But I believe that there are editors at the New York Times who believe that they are covering this issue properly, that it's in the public interest to pre- present both sides. She believes that there are people in the New York Times who think that it's in the public interest to present. To be clear, she thinks that's a problem. That is deranged. That's dangerous. Yeah. That is absolutely deranged. deranged. Yeah. It's deranged. On any subject, that's deranged. Imagine saying that about Israel and Palestine or the death penalty or abortion. You know, these people, like, we've gotten to a point of a kind of, you know, totalitarian mindset, and I, I use that word advisedly, too, that there are answers. There's one side in this. 
you know, there's not, it's not a coincidence that the Soviet newspaper was called Pravda, the Russian word for truth. There's one truth, and you're going to get it in this newspaper. These people believe that there's one truth, and that any deviation from that, they have an uphill battle. And so they're doing it in the most hideous slash and burn way, because if you look at opinion polls and this stuff, people are confused by the idea that gender isn't real. That, you know, I, I, I saw a thing today, a news story that somebody said, you know, you know, they, um, something about her sperm. That's, that's, that's unusual, that's unusual language. That's unusual language. Yeah. And, you know, um, her penis, there was, uh, one from Mississippi today, there was a story that it said, you know, woman gets arrested for like a bomb threat or something. And there was a picture and it looked like Jack Black, exactly like Jack Black, like beard and like crazy hair. And it says woman, like if you're an elderly person looking at that, if you're half the people who don't are not on Twitter and they'd be like, no, 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 this is a typo. It's this man made the bomb threat. This is the guy. Like for people to think that is totally normal. And if you want to convince them that they're wrong, that's fine. But you don't want to convince them that they're wrong. You want to tell them that they're wrong. Right. Yeah. And you want to get them out of the debate and say, if you try to present the other side, because there is no other side, there is, there is truth. Anytime anyone's to ever telling you that there is truth, capital T, that's really, really distressing. That's not a, that's not a club or a cult you want to be in. There's a, um, this is one of the worst letters I've seen a bunch of journalists uh, sign their names to, although there have been quite a few in recent years that come to mind. They love signing letters. The, uh, are, you, are you taking a shot at the Harper's letter? I'm taking a shot at the Harper's letter response letter more than the Harper's okay, letter. Though generally yeah, speaking, Camille, and this is, you know, I'm saying yeah. out loud what might have been intimated on occasion, not about the Harper's letter, but about maybe some other attempts to get you to sign letters, is that friends friends don't <laughs> let friends sign group letters most of the time. It's most it's usually a bad idea. You're going to disagree with things because they're not going to make sense for I For correct. example, this is a letter in the uh, this is a sentence in the letter. Katie Baker's recent feature. This is in the New York Times. When students change gender identity and parents don't know. That's the headline. Misframed. <laughs> that's the word. Misframed the yeah. battle over children's right to safely transition. Period. Misframed. misframed. Okay. That's the let's, key word. Let's uh, read the headline again. When students change gender identity and parents don't know. So this is a, a story about it's about <laughs> when students change gender identity and, par- and, and the parents and the parents don't know. know. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. an issue. An issue. Yeah. Matt, do the parents they know don't, in this scenario? They or don't. Not? They don't know. Okay. And there's these up. other institutions <laughs> called schools that are in between, and yeah, this right. these uh, kind of conflicts or these these things that happen are uh, are like on an incredible uh, increase, right? Um, so like it's a thing that's happening around. It's causing uh, upset and parents being very surprised about things, and so this that's hence the article. But it's been misframed, and then the next uh, sentence explains how this has been uh, misframed. The piece fails to make clear that court cases brought by parents who want schools to out their trans children are part of a legal strategy pursued by anti-trans hate groups. I mean, this is this is incredible nonsense. It's in the piece, which is it's, it's actually, actually in the piece. the piece. The piece would it says conservative groups are funding lawsuits. It's in the piece. 
but the but the description of it in the letter is insane. It's insane, but it, but it's, it's <laughs> actually what they're complaining yeah. about not being in the piece is actually in the piece. Yeah. So these these people criticizing journalism don't know how to do basic journalism, which is called reading in this case. Or they don't actually care about the facts. I mean, it's the sleight of hand that I find particularly disturbing. Uh, there is a line in here where it talks about it says as. As thinkers <laughs> describing themselves, which is yeah, bizarre, we, we are thinkers. disappointed to see the New York Times follow the lead of far right hate groups in presenting gender diversity <laughs> as a new to, controversy yeah. <laughs> warranting new punitive legislation. What I don't actually think that is a, an accurate representation of any of the stuff that's been published here. But in, in, in either case, what they go on to say is puberty blockers, hormone replacement therapy, and gender-affirming surgeries have been standard forms of care for cis and trans people alike for decades. Um, <clears throat> to the extent this is true, it is entirely possible for something to be the standard of care and well understood in particular contexts mm-hmm. and not in other contexts. If, for example, we're having conversations about whether or not children ought to have these kinds of surgeries at earlier and earlier ages or receive puberty blockers at earlier ages, that, that actually becomes a new issue that we may want to have some conversations about. And whether or not that should be prohibited is another thing entirely, but the fact that there are cultural discussions, even arguments, debates about these matters becomes completely important and valid. And I think as you pointed out accurately, Moynihan, like the the con- the concern on the part of the the signees, the signatories of this letter um, appears to be that they're not definitively telling people what they have to believe about these issues. That yes. any attempt to report on this stuff in a nuanced and thoughtful way, which Interestingly, people like Emily Bazelon, who have written about these topics for the New York Times in particular, um, have actually <laughs> written Emily Bazelon. like really yeah. interesting, <laughs> compelling, nuanced pieces, which are generally, generally incredibly compassionate towards trans children. That piece in particular. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I've read that one. It's, it's very good, very compassionate, even, very broad minded and very name check. And the biggest criticism of being Bad. And the biggest criticism yeah. in of that piece at the time, if I remember correctly, was that it talked to was that the one that um profiled like detransitioners yes. as well and had someone who had some regret about these procedures, which apparently anyone who has such regrets, I've only ever seen them denigrated and pilloried you're when not, they appear in these stories. But you're not supposed to talk to them. And the reason you're not supposed to talk to them is because the and the argument is is that there aren't very many of them. And if that is, in fact, the case, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I know Jesse Singles written about this. But if that is, in fact, true, that there aren't very many of them, you probably should never write about neo-Nazis. Because not very many of them. Right. Klansmen, not very many of them. But, you know, people sometimes have an outsized influence on the debate. And you might want to talk to them, particularly if, you know, you're saying right-wing people, the Matt Walsh's of the world, people that I think are absurd, blowhard idiots— if they're talking about, does that mean you just ignore it? Or do you interview those, interview those people too and don't do it in a ideological way or a laudatory way of saying this is actually the only story? No, you can surface those stories and talk about them and not be thumbing the scale in the way that these people want you to. I find the whole thing incredibly strange for like, you know, a thousand reasons. But I mean, it is very funny if you're of a, of a certain vintage and you've been around and seen Emily Bazelon writing about the Supreme Court and about Slade over the years, and knowing this person as a thoughtful, 
lefty that you disagree with all the time if you're me. You know, but, you know, I read, this is what you do. You read people on the other side and you're like, yeah, she's very bright. And I have some friends who know her and attest to the fact that she's very bright and, and, um, you know, her writing shows that, and that's, you know, she's an interesting person to read. If you're trying, you're trying to make the daily worker, which was the communist party paper in America, they're just trying to make a, like, a, like this is under the control of an ideology, but you don't, they don't see it as an ideology. When you're in a cult, you, you see it as truth. There's one way of thinking in the other people, what the communists used to call deviationists, they're people that are, are, you know, going the wrong way and we must correct them. I mean, Scientologists do it. Ideologues do it. The second you get a little off, they're going to get a little upset about it. But I don't understand what you're supposed to do. How do you report about this stuff otherwise? And you, Matt's, Matt, <laughs> Matt pointed out the word that's really important. What was it? The Misframed. Misframing. So there's a thing that you do um, <laughs> if you're an editor and you get a book review, you sign a book review, and the book review comes back saying, you know, this book was kind of interesting, but why didn't they talk about this? And why didn't they talk about this? As an editor, you send that back and say, please edit, uh, ed, review the book under review, not the one that you wish they read, wish they wrote. That's not how this works. Review the book and don't say, well, it should have been this book. They're saying like, you know, the focus was wrong. It's an editorial, like, I'm sorry, the focus was wrong. You're saying that it's, you're mad that they didn't write the story that you, that you wanted to read. That's not critic. That's not like media criticism. That's like an ideologically driven, you know, agenda that these people should write one thing and one thing only. And I don't know how these people in good conscience sign that because I don't think they think about it. They just want to be on the, what they believe to be the right side of history. They don't want to look back and be, you know, a Dixiecrat in 1964. They want to be, they want to be the freedom riders, you know, and they think this is the way of doing it, but th this is not analogous. And if people were to look at what they're actually signing on to, it's not, if they want to sign on to like, don't put Matt Walsh's movie on Netflix or something like, okay, fine. I, I disagree. I, I just, fine. I, I understand. But the argument here is that the New York times is not doing journalism, right? Because we don't agree with treating two sides as equal. I think one of the most pernicious things of the Trump administration was this idea of both sidesism. As a pejorative. And as a pejorative. Like, oh, they're engaged in both sides because there is not two sides. It, it, that's sometimes true. There are two sides, but they're not of equal value, right? I mean, you don't want to interview a Holocaust denier every time you do a, a piece on Anne Frank, that sort of thing. But when it gets so broad... As people say, well, would you interview a Klansman? Would you let a Nazi do this? People always make those. They're, again, not analogous to say that, that both sides is them. There's not two sides in, in this story. Well, for you, there isn't. But if I look at opinion polls and say, what do people think about this? If 70% of Americans think X, does that mean you shouldn't cover that side? Because why? Because it's such a rare, weird view. The way that you said, talk about detransitioners is that it's not very common, so therefore... But this is very, very common. Very, 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 very common. And you care about the number of people who, who believe something when you talk about, say, the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It's an anti-democratic... I heard this in an editorial meeting, and I think I said this here. It's an anti-democratic thing because the majority of Americans, when polled, um, disagree with it. Well, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. But what about this? Should, is, is, is it, you know, if you're weighing what people believe about this stuff, convince them. 
Well, no, if they hear the other side, that's when you know that they have no faith in their own argument. And they essentially believe in the weakness of their own argument is that if people hear the other side, they might believe. And it. also why you can't. And also it? the why portrayal um, of what the Times is doing and what the bad people are doing, but specifically what the Times is doing. These people uh, have written for the Times. They're contributors. Some of them uh, are regular contributors. This is. Are, are there any staffers? I, I didn't uh, see a, a breakdown of it. There, I presume that there are some staffers, uh, but I, I, I can't I can't speak to that. Um this is a sentence uh, or part of a sentence that Camille read earlier. Um, and it's amazing. This is them describing, right? When you're a journalist, words are supposed, you're supposed to agonize over words to make sure you're not saying something that isn't true. And they exactly. are saying, again, yeah. this is in the as thinkers sentence. Um, they accuse the New York times of quote, presenting gender diversity as a new controversy, warranting new punitive legislation. I will Offer a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars right now. Here you go. All you assholes who wrote, who signed your name in this letter. I know some of you. I, there was someone who I was almost met today who signed their name and not an asshole. And I was very disappointed to see her name on this letter, but anyone who signed your name, here it is. Give me a news article in the, a news article in the New York times that presents gender diversity as a new controversy, warranting new putative legislation. And I'll give you a thousand dollars. Okay. Just a thousand dollars. One fucking article. I will give you 1000 fucking dollars. If you can give me one fucking article that does what you say, the New York times is doing broadly and you won't do it because you don't fucking read. Fuck you. But they also they also conflate two things, too, right? I mean, they're talking about Ross Douthat in there. He's an opinion journalist. Mm-hmm. And then you're talking about coverage mm-hmm. and giving two sides. There's not two sides of an editorial, um, an, an opinion piece. And there shouldn't be. And so, no one's going to suggest that there should be. So th- this this action today was coordinated with GLAAD, it seems, um, and some perhaps other organizations. The letter itself had a link so that more people could sign on to it. And GLAAD, it appears, had a truck with a large LED sign on the side of it that was flashing messages today, um, one inviting you to join hundreds of organizations and leaders calling on the New York Times to change. Yeah. Um, and another that said, quote, stop questioning trans people's right to exist and access Again, medical care. It's, it's, it's Which literally a lie. This, it's a this, lie. this in particular is something that it's I a, find. It's a flat like, out lie. I, I just find it very strange um, how quickly people are going from zero to you want to put trans children in gas chambers um, in their responses to, in some cases, like incredibly tame chill rebuttals to the letter. Um, Michael Powell, who is a journalist who I believe still works at the New York Times, um, tweeted earlier today, quote, journalism is meant to ask difficult and discomforting questions and to question institutions, including the medical establishment. I'm very proud to work at a place that publishes the work of Emily Bazelon and Katie Baker. Um, I, I, don't know how to pronounce the last name there. Azeen something with a G, um, another person, and uh, Ross Douthat. Which, I mean, these are people who are being savaged by their colleagues um, today. Um, and he's suggesting that they're doing good coverage of these issues. And the responses to him and the quote tweets are so 
uniformly um, disingenuous, <laughs> disingenuous, and in some cases, um, like angry and violent. Like there are people who are literally talking about like beating him <laughs> and doing other kinds of violence to him for expressing that perspective, which again is different from their own, and they're they're free to dislike it. But I have a very difficult time understanding how everyone could could misconstrue that or misrepresent that as somehow They're suggesting that trans kids no. should be murdered or tr- he doesn't believe that trans people ought to exist. It doesn't say any of that. This yeah, this, I, I, this I, seems the, so much like, in in some respects, anyways, the groomer panic on the right. Yeah, um, where yeah. every where every person who disagrees with them on these issues is often represented as someone who is trying deliberately to do something malicious to children. And this is the left doing precisely the same thing that they have been been complaining about in many respects appropriately for months now, doing precisely the same thing in the opposite direction with exactly the same amount of vitriol and, and nonsensical, hysterical uh, panic attached to it. It and they're feels mainstream like the journalists. satanic panic. Yeah. They're mainstream journalists, too. That's the difference. I mean, so many people on the other side and the groomer stuff are just, you know, dumb, shitty ideologues. And, and I, don't, I don't think they're misunderstanding Michael at all. I think they're, they know exactly what he means. And they know exactly how bland it is. And, and just believe are, that it's, it's, a pro, it's a tactic. It's, it's appropriate. Tactic. It's be- which, which is very much like what Chris, is, Chris Rufo is trying to do when he talks about groomers. It's, like a, tactic. it's a tactic. Yeah. But, but, but what is more effective about this tactic, because I've seen it, and, you know, the other tactic, I mean, imagine the, the twin tactics here, which are, you know, really, really disgraceful, and everybody who's involved in it should, should be um, shamed for the rest of their lives, is two things. They say um, the most hideous things about people, with the, the, the goal, of course, is to um, make sure that nobody ever says this out loud. To make it to make it cost something to say something banal out loud, mm-hmm. and whether that's J.K. Rowling not being invited to the HBO thing, or you know, people like making her own the people who start who made who made famous by her, who had no careers prior to being in the Harry Potter movie, making them denounce, putting them in situations where they have to say because you you don't want to say the wrong thing because then you're going to be in the line of fire too. And we were talking, I talked about this with somebody today is that, you know, often referencing the Clive James thing that bravery is rare. Bravery is not something that, that the average person is going to do. And I understand why they don't. I understand why they don't stick up for people. It makes sense to me. I mean, I hope that I would do it in this situation and we do it in this podcast. So I think I don't believe we're brave, but it's just that, that, you know, people don't want to do that. And then the other, the other one, this is the twin thing, which is so anti-intellectual is total flat denial. There's no such thing as whatever cancel culture, whatever you want to call it. There's mm-hmm. no such thing as um, like a PC university or lefty faculties. I mean, who are you going to believe? Your lion eyes or some fucking asshole on Twitter? I mean, that is like, imagine being in this world in which you deny things that are so transparently true. I, I'm not an ideologue about these things. I have no, I, I don't say we need to change universities. We need to, you know, introduce legislation. We need to do this. We need to do a protest. No, I just comment on these things, the things that I see. I've been through it a lot. I've been in university. I've seen it up close. I've talked to a lot of people involved in these things. I feel bad for people who get, you know, their lives totally ruined by, by stuff like this. But the, to say that it doesn't exist is very, very common. 
spend two seconds in the search bar on Twitter and find like, you know, people who believe that there is such thing as cancel culture. Ha ha, Louis C.K. won a Grammy. How can there be cancel culture? Look, motherfucker, it's, a, it's, a, it's an anonymous ballot. That's <laughs> If there's anything that proves that there's cancel culture is that they're going to vote for him when nobody's looking because they're fucking terrified to do it out in the open. And they wouldn't do it out in the open. But there's all these bullshit things. Like somebody, that was the other thing. Louis sold out the Madison Square Garden. Cancel culture. Someone did this TikTok <laughs> that got a bazillion views. I'm like, you do realize that he doesn't have a promoter. You do realize he rents the Madison Square Garden with his own money. He pays for it himself. And he rents it out. And the, the thing is, there is cancel culture. But the, whatever, again, whatever you want to call it, I don't like that phrase. But there's, doesn't mean that he doesn't have an audience because the rest of the, world thinks you're fucking insane. So denial, the one thing, and then just totally excoriating people who have a banal point. Mike, Michael Powell didn't say, yeah, these people are, they're, they're half a person. They're not real. Well, they, they, they have a dick. That's, a, that's not a lady. That's not what he said. That would be what like said. beyond anything impolite. No, that's, I mean, I was quoting <laughs> you, but that's fine. Um, I, was, I learned it from watching yeah. you, Dad. Well, sorry to rant about this for, for so long, but it's like, honestly, I think it's a shitty tactic. And I think it's anti-intellectual. Like I said this the other day on, I think the paid, um, the Substack one that, uh, cause someone emailed about it and a nice email about it today about those fantastic days where there would be letters back and forth in the New York review of books that, you know, people sniping at each other for like six months because the speed was, you know, you could sit and kind of type a letter and, you know, go over the evidence and not like, three seconds after Michael Powell tweets, somebody like, you're a shit heel. Like, honestly, like what a shit heel. First of all, like what, how old are you? And it's like, that's, that's your response. Why did you become, if you know, like literally a guy who's a fucking fake journalist, uh, in that <clears throat> Gawker universe of people that, you know, destroy institutions, but somehow won't go away. Um, you know, just being really disgusting and rude to people. I just think that I don't care who you are. Honestly, I don't care. It was on the other side. If it was someone saying like, hey, I think the trans stuff is being, you know, you guys aren't treating it in the right way. And like, just like a general concerned way. And a bunch of people were like, why are you such a fucking loser? I would really hate that too. But it just doesn't happen the other way as much as I, as far as I see it, particularly with mainstream people. I'm sure there's like anonymous Twitter assholes that are doing this all the time. But when it's like journalists, blue checks going after somebody, a colleague of theirs, it's just discre- like what kind of fucking world are we living in at this point? Two quick uh, data points. Uh, one, uh, a last thing from the original letter. Uh, again, an insane sentence, I think, really, uh, for people who are journalists, let alone people who are describing the place that they do journalism. Right. Some of us are trans, non-binary or gender non-conforming, and we resent the fact that our work, but not our person, is good enough for the paper of record. Paper of record is the it's nickname crazy. of the New York Times. They're saying they're saying that their own sense of themselves is not considered fully uh, of uh, having personhood by the New York Times as expressed as an editorial entity. I think that's crazy. I think it's that's transparently self evidently crazy. Yeah. The other thing that is crazy. I will add, and this is comes as a uh, surprise um, uh, to at least some extent is the response by the New York Times. It came out pretty quickly um, today in response both to um, the New York Times letter and the GLAD thing that uh, Michael uh, re- referred to mm-hmm. 
Earlier, we received the open letter delivered by GLAAD and welcomed their feedback. We understand how GLAAD and the co-signers of the letter see our coverage. But at the same time, we recognize that GLAAD's advocacy mi- mission and the Times' journalistic mission are different. And it goes on just a little <laughs> bit uh, more. And the very news stories criticized in their letter reported deeply and empathetically on issues of care and well-being for trans teens and adults. Um, our reporting uh, did uh, exactly what we should, and we're proud of it. Like, just like that. That was like very quick brushback. There didn't seem to be a struggle session meeting. Maybe those will come up. But I said, are you surprised? I am Matt? surprised by how quickly and kind of how firmly uh, the brushback pitch came. And I am heartened of uh, that Joseph Kahn, the editor in chief, who took over from the gormless Dean Baquet uh, about a year ago, or a little bit less, when he termed out uh, by, uh, coming to the age of 65. It was pretty clear that Joseph Kahn uh, has more of a Michael Powell view on the world, but that he was also not a skilled politician in the way that Dean Baquet was. Um, and so whenever he was quoted in various things, including what we talked about previously which was the len downey piece in the washington post because len downey interviewed everybody at every paper uh talking about his ideas about objectivity and joseph khan had about the best answer to all that stuff which is like hey look we're still doing news over here (laughs) more or less um and so uh this is a pretty good sign of an editor saying look stand by the stories we're doing pretty good thanks advocates we are journalists we do something different and that is pretty good brush back not just to glad but especially those journalists saying hey look we're doing journalism are you doing journalism <laughs> you can come and work for us mm-hmm. if you're not cool we're uh, we have a different project um i hope that he sticks to that and that we don't see the struggle sessions forthcoming and that there isn't a power play in which he has to give a whole lot of ground um i think if if that indeed holds like this and that's a good preliminary indication that the type of winds that were blowing in the awful Donald McNeil moment. He was the science and COVID reporter mm-hmm. who was forced out after a series of just ridiculous events that happened in 2020 and 21. Um, I, uh, you know, I have preliminary sense of optimism about at least where the New York Times is at. And, you know, there's been a few pieces recently. Uh, Compact Magazine had a pretty good one um, making the assertions uh, that the woke crest uh, might have, uh, or the woke wave might have crested, and we might be going it downhill on this, and that might be a sense of that. It's too early to say, but I'm I'm happy about that. Mm. Yeah, I I don't know if the woke wave has crested. Um, I I suspect that some of the institutions have probably had to back away from it, but I mean, just the response to the letter alone and specifically the response to again that like things like that the tweet that we referred to from michael powell a moment ago i i don't know i mean maybe it's just online but i can't imagine like what's happening inside the newsroom right now like inside the building the 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 internal politics and i know it's still the case that a lot of media organizations are still kind of working with one another via slack but like, what's it like over there for David French and Ross Douthat, who write for the opinion column and are... I mean, David French was accused of being some horrible yes. transphobe. David yeah. French. Yeah. Really? I mean, I, I just don't know. A nicer person you could not meet. And I don't, I don't believe he's ever said anything that is... I mean, but again, the standards that these people 
apply are quite different. I mean, I'm the, the people that have signed on to this. It's I, I just never want to cross their paths again. And um, it's you pointed out somebody that did um, sign it, Matt, and I didn't know, but you hinted enough that I could look and, and was surprised to see that. Um, but you know, I mean, the other one, Judd Apatow. Uh, signing along to the glad letter, which is a separate one. Like, I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I just, I just, I really like to think that these people aren't thinking and that they're terrified. We should, we now should make reach it explicable. Out, yeah. We should reach out to glad and, and some of these other folks. Cause I'm, I, I need to have someone like try to explain the other side of this issue to me. And perhaps the, the, the concern that they have is specifically about the pieces of legislation that have been passed um, a couple of different states, not the fucking which, journalists. Uh, precisely right. This is they're just simply not the same thing. And and I personally, I need to take a closer look at the legislation that was passed. I don't really know what's going on with that. Um, and I I will, and hopefully we'll have more conversations about that. Um, but we should we should look at the the rest of these issues as well. I mean, I I will say that it does seem to me that there, if if I'm trying to to put the most serious face on the concern that's being expressed here and setting aside the factual inaccuracies in the letter, the concern appears to be that where trans young people are concerned, that the rates of suicide um, for children who do not receive some sort of um, gender-affirming care, whether it's having support in classrooms from a teacher, even if their families um, are uh, less supportive or um, actually receiving certain kinds of medical treatments. Um, I, I suppose I understand the argument there. It's, it's very but, seriously disputed by the way, but, but this is just it. Like yeah. there, there are meaningful challenges to that argument. Yeah. Um, and at a minimum, there are profound questions on the parts of many, many people. And I think dismissing all of it as bigoted and acknowledging none of it as, earnest and sincere concern on the part of people who are simply for, for whom this is completely alien um, mm -hmm. seems to me um, not just a, a monstrous error on the part of people who are supposed to be advocates who are supposed to be interested in advancing the culture, um, but um, just exceedingly short-sighted. Uh, it just, it, it, this is not how progress is made on these issues. This is how like fire, mm -hmm. firewalls are created in the culture. Well, that's what like, they want. Create. No yeah. one is interested. Well, no yeah. one is interested in, in kind of traversing the space, but also they, it hardens, um, resistance, um, to these issues. Uh, and, you know, on the other side, like it's not as though there can't be tangible concern. Like about a, a surgical procedure or a medical treatment that, again, is delaying puberty for like 13 or 14 years um, for a 13 or 14 year old kid. Like for the longest time, the conversations that we were having publicly about these issues were this isn't happening with kids. This isn't happening with kids. And now we're at the point where if you're interested in restricting things formally, this is a, a, a determined effort to try and genocide trans people. Like, but, but Camille, that's exactly what I was saying before with Catherine. The way that you re-kind of orient the debate to make it not a debate anymore is you say that people will die. COVID thing. You know, yeah, if you're having no. this conversation, people are going to die. It's the same, yeah. And then it's like, if you're having these conversations, they're, they're going to kill themselves. It's like, it's always this threat 
that you're going to have blood on your hands if you doubt anything. If you say, I don't know, maybe that's too early, or maybe that you're not telling the truth about this, or maybe that, you know, the definition of a woman isn't that malleable. I don't know. Whatever the questions are that people are laboring over these days that I tend to not pay too much attention to. Particularly, by the way, it's not even that I don't want to get in. I mean, we put ourselves in the line of fire in a lot of issues. It's not even so much in this one. It's just that that I think the debate is so demented. Mm-hmm. The, the level of hatred for the mm-hmm. people that have any bit of... They're not the head... I can't say they're heterodox views. They're heterodox views in our universe in New York City. They're not heterodox views in America. Right. This is a heterodox view. No, it's absolutely true. Yeah. So, like, to have those views, the 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 vitriol that is just just you, you dumped all over you, and like, if you go, it's so crazy to go back and I looked, at, I went back and looked at J.K. Rowling's initial tweets because I saw that Barry's um, publication, The Free Press, is doing a doc, a, 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 a podcast series mm-hmm. uh, about her in which she's interviewed. Yeah. So I went, I went back quickly to look at it. It's like, th- wait, this. It, like it's all don't even like look at this letter and it's com- this is the interesting thing compare this to the harper's letter there's a good comparison here this letter matt read the bit at the beginning which i find really astonishing that compares the new york times with far-right hate groups literally says you are essentially a far-right hate group the 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 the, the new york times is first of all being accused of being right-wing is insane but it's being it's being far-right and then you go back and look at the absolutely pained Harper's letter that everyone freaked out about, which mm-hmm. is like, no, guys, we hate Donald Trump. We understand. <laughs> Everything's fine. We're good. And it attracted people from the left and the right, you know, Chomsky and Salman Rushdie and people on the conservatives, too. And this open letter is flypaper for psychotic extremists in journalism. Or people that have something to prove. I don't understand which one it is. And every individual case is probably different. But if you read that as a journalist and you say, that's what journalism needs more of, less reporting. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's, and again, this is not an argument about the content of what the New York Times produced, which I know that if I read it, I'd be like, oh, that's, I've read a few of them and said they're interesting pieces. But I, I you know, the other thing that is really, um, overwhelming people today is association. That's how much they will always uh, mention that some shitty legislature, uh, like in Kansas, put forward some shitty bill or the Matt Walsh's of the world said this, you have similar opinions to these people and you therefore have to take upon yourself all of their shitty opinions and all the bad legislation is now your responsibility. You're giving sucker to these people. You can't have even opinions that are in the, re- in the region of these people. And that's something that is um, deeply unsettling, that that is an argument that supposedly smart, uh, spoiled, bratish, rich, privileged kids, that if you went down that list, go down that list and look at their LinkedIn's, look at where they went to school, look at where they went to high school, look what their parents do. These fucking spoiled brats are telling you that... Um, you're not allowed to have thoughts because they might be adjacent to bad people. Yeah, it's the idea that they did journalism that was cited by the bad people in doing the bad things. That's always my favorite. You know what? Uh, If you do journalism of any quality at all, it's going to be cited. It's going to live out in the world and have uses that you didn't intend. Um, And that other people do, that's called reading. 
and and just responding yeah. to things. You can't control the response to people consuming the things that you do. You can't. And it's a it's a crazy idea that you should or that you can have some kind of guilt by association because the bad people liked your piece that proves your piece is bad. That doesn't work. I was It's so prevalent today. It's I was It's so depressing. I was so happy. I've probably mentioned this once at least before, but I wrote a book 15 years ago called McCain, the Myth of Maverick. It was a critical book about John McCain. And uh, and I was really happy that a friend of mine, good friend who I used to work with in Budapest, Hungarian guy, um, read it and said it made him want to vote for John McCain. Um, and I said, why God, I did my work good enough so that it wasn't just a completely tendentious kind of reading on somebody. Um, it allowed for people to come up with their own conclusions and those conclusions might be different than my own. Perfect. That means I did a journalism while I was also doing a critical analysis. That's nice. Mm-hmm. We should want that to happen. That means you're providing stuff that is useful for people of all backgrounds. And this is something that I like and I, we all do about this podcast. The response that we get from people and that we read on our paid subscriber only uh, uh, edition every week um, are from people from all over the political spectrum. That's not the political spectrum is not what they have in common. I can guarantee you that. And that is a very rewarding thing to me. Um, if, if I found out that all kinds of crazy people were like taking our stuff and using it for their own ends, that's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. That's, and, and also that it is a religion. This is another form of it. This is a new denomination, this particular issue. Because, you know, what is, if you go into a church, um, you know, adjacent to the Vatican, that's serving people that are coming as pilgrims. If you go into a mosque of people, you know, lining up to go on the Hajj, do you expect to to say to them, like, I got a bunch of other religions. You should probably check them out. Let's, let's, they're like, no, no I'm, I'm good. I'm here. I, I, I know what, I know what the one true God is. I don't need any other information. That's what is happening. I don't need your information because I know the truth. This is a revealed truth to me. And I don't want to hear, and also what is, you have to say that it's dangerous, of course, you know, they're going to kill themselves or whatever. I mean, are people killing themselves because they read the New York times or did, you know, upper middle class, clever people all of a sudden start hating trans people because they read Emily Bazelon yeah. or they read a piece in which some parent was expressing concern about not being informed of something that was happening with their child. I mean, what do they imagine is going to happen? It's like, they want to have a monopoly in the mainstream media of information, of ideology. And it's the New York Times. That's the problem. If it's in the Washington Examiner, they don't fucking care. If it's in the Wall Street Journal, they don't fucking care. The New York Times is ours. That's how they think about this. <laughs> and it's like, a you're saying that they've gone too right wing. We work there. We've all written there. And we're all really left wing. And it has to be more left wing, just like us. And, and you're going in the wrong direction, New York Times. They don't go around to every newspaper where, you know what? It probably makes more of a difference if the Kansas City Star is writing what they believe to be, quote unquote, anti-trans articles. And there's probably a bill. in front. There's no bill in front of the legislature in New York. But yeah, New York Times is a national newspaper. It's even a global newspaper. But why not go to all these smaller places where there's other people writing about this stuff and where there's actually the threat of legislation that you don't like being passed? How about that? No, no, no. They're grandstanding. They're just idiot rich kids in New York grandstanding and saying, like, we don't like 
these people, their ideology. This is not what I spent, you know, $300,000 to learn about at Yale. Come on now. Fucking assholes. Anyway. Yeah. Well, we've been going for a little bit and yeah. it's late I know you gotta and roll. Matt, Matt's got to run to the West coast tomorrow, yep. I guess. Crack of death. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I got some, I got some East coast madness to juggle, um, but we will be back very soon. Um, I might be, I you, might be gone in the week. I don't know. I don't oh, know. I might, I might be on a little, I need to get out for a little bit. <laughs> if okay. any of our listeners owns a uh, resort in the Caribbean, or a large house <laughs> that they'd like to give to me. I need I need a break. So and you could stay. People are when hell will come. I'll come. Yeah, I'll come over. I'll, I'll, I'll annoy the fuck out of you. And I'll just, <laughs> okay. But I'll be quiet. I'll, I'll stay in the basement. There's another contest own, that we can run. I started yeah. with a resort, Camille. Not, the house is great. You have a house. But if you own a resort, you manage a resort, you have the ability yeah. to comp me on something, awesome. Yeah, I did that's just preferred. get laid off. This is part of my compensation. <laughs> my severance package be you giving me something in the Caribbean. So, oh god! Throw it out there. All right, cool. <laughs> so that's that's where we'll start. And if we end up at something a cut under the bed and breakfast situation, we were pretty much yeah. just like in bunk beds in the yeah. twins' room. Don't give me that know, shit. That's fine. <laughs> Don't give me that. That's shit. fine too. Yeah, own Sorry. something nice. White Lotus people. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> All right, cool. All right. We'll be back soon. Um, and yes. but before then, you should find us um, on Substack, and you should subscribe as many of yes. you have, um, because you know it's worth it. It's worth the yeah. money, and some exciting things happening and coming there very soon, uh, as per usual. So that's it. Bye. Awesome. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan horse. Column.